Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. S-E-C. S-E-C. Stay with me, boys. S-E-C. Champions of the world. S-E-C. <laughs> Champions of the world. To be a Georgia Bulldog. Dogs are back on top of the SEC mountain, reclaiming what is rightfully ours, an SEC championship 2022. How about it? Man, uh, what a game. It was, uh, I think, Josh, you said the first half was, was an infomercial for Georgia football, just pure domination. Uh, second half, you know, I think was a little bit, a little bit lazy. Uh, but to come out with a 20-point win in the SEC championship, hanging a 50-burger on the Bayou Bengals, man, it is awesome. Another week, another ass-kicking, a glorious season. While preparing for the show today, I went back and I you know, tried to recap every game throughout the season. And I did it real quick. But, but the first thing that stuck up to me was uh, very low blood pressure this season. Never a nail-biter. There wasn't a, a game that we had to come back in the – I don't know if we were ever down. Missouri. 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 Was the Missouri. Only yeah. And, but, you know, we talked about that uh, at the time. Never did we really feel like we were in – the game was in peril. Yeah, we, we clenched up a little bit during that game. But if you look at the 13 games this season, never really a game in doubt. I guess Missouri could be the closest one to being a game in doubt. But just what an awesome, awesome season. And, and, and the dogs stand out above the rest. Yeah, clearly king of the hill. Um, the 50-burger was is awesome to see. The 50-30 to 30 score is such a random kind of score. No one was anywhere close thinking about that kind of number. Defense in the second half was, eh, we can talk about that in a minute. But um, first half, Lawrence, you're right. It was an infomercial. Could not have gone better. Could not have been more fun. Could not have been more iconic plays. Um, just just the, the hits kept on coming. And Stetson – that's about as good a football as you can play from the quarterback position. I mean, his throws were on point, on time, on target. He was in control of the offense. Um, I mean, it, it just it gets no more fun as a football fan, as a Georgia fan, than watching that first half of that game. Well, what's crazy is, I mean, in my opinion, there's no better big game quarterback in college football right now than Stetson Bennett. If you go look at his statistics against top 25 teams, we had five of those games this year. His numbers basically trump everybody else, all the other Heisman candidates against top 25 games this year. Um, he, he comes to play. And then in terms of like the memorable plays in that first half, right, there's the there's the block field goal, 95-yard return by Chris Smith where LSU just got caught with their pants down, bad coaching. The interception off the helmet, uh, I mean, how lucky was that? But still, you know, Chris Smith made a big play. Uh, Smile Munden was there for the pick. And then one play later, we get a touchdown to Ladd McConkey. Uh, and then there's the iconic, you know, Jalen Carter. If he had a Heisman moment, that was it where he just ragdolled. Uh, Jaden Daniels picked him up and held the one in the air. Uh, I mean, such a badass moment for Georgia football. Yeah, Larry, you did a good job of recapping the highlights in the first half. We talked about this a lot on the show over the course of the season, but this team is a different team with Jalen Carter. He is the most dominant force in college football. Uh, at, at one point, they were talking about Brock Bowers being the best player in college football. It, 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 I, I could argue their side of that coin. Uh, Jalen Carter is the most dominant defensive player in college football. Brock is probably the Swiss Army knife that nobody else has. An embarrassment of riches. Uh, Stett, Stett to, to your point, is an amazing big-game quarterback. 
One thing that, you know, should be brought up, and, and there's been a lot of talk about this, particularly with the, the uh, not the Missouri game, the um, Kentucky game, 16-6, you know, boring game, and the uh, Georgia Tech game, which was kind of a ho-hum game also. It is obvious at this point that the dogs are holding things back. It's obvious that, you know, Kirby and Munkin know what they need to do to get a win. They're not in this for style points. You don't have to get style points when, when, when you're the king of the hill. And, and it's awesome to be there. Speaking of Munkin, as, as great as the image of Jalen Carter was, and it will go down as a top five image in Georgia football history, I think. Um, the video of Munkin celebrating after that two-point conversion um, and throughout the entire game. I mean, the, the, the emotion that guy has and how fired up he gets in that booth. They've got that camera that sits right, to, right next to him. Um, God, he is such an unsung hero when it comes to this team, this coaching staff. I hope he's, I hope he's here to stay for a while. Um, I really enjoyed that. The Chris Smith interview, did y'all hear his interview after the game, what no, he said? No. It was great. It was great. He said that they work on that play, I think he said every three weeks in practice. And the rule is, if it goes past the line of scrimmage, don't touch it unless you can score. Right. Don't touch it unless – and you better damn well be right you can score. And so he's there and he's looking around and he's like, oh, shit, I think I can score. Picks it up. And he's gone. And LSU clearly was not prepared for that moment like Georgia was. Um, we were all debating at the house watching it. Like, what's the rule? It's one of these funny plays that happens. Yeah, but 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 when they when he's standing over it, you're like, what's going on here? And he picks it up, and he just keeps running, and there's no challenge. And, you know, that's a big 10-point swing early in the game. I don't think the game would be any different, yeah. but it's a the huge rule swing. Is, so what would happen? If LSU touches that ball, is it a dead ball? It is ball? a dead ball. If LSU touches it or it stops moving and no one's around it, it's a dead ball. So you have to be pretty careful standing over it because it did stop oscillating, but he was obviously right there ready to pick it up. It was just a heads-up play. It's a testament to coaching. It's a testament to, to the players. It's a boneheaded play on LSU's part. Going back, though, to the Jalen Carter picking up uh, Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels started to laugh at that point. I mean, you see him in the air. How do you exactly. not? The guy's a goddamn rag doll. And, uh, you know, he got a good kick out. I mean, in his defense, Jalen Carter could have body slammed him. He could have suplexed him, and he didn't. Uh, this was even more demeaning, and the guy just laughed about it, and it's the best way to go about it. The memes are hilarious, like the Dirty Dancing song playing in the background as he picks him up, the My Buddy theme song. Uh, I mean, it's just – it's amazing. It, it, it will live on forever. You know, we, we in the day, it was the uh, being posterized on a dunk, you know, like Michael Jordan putting his crotch on you when he's dunking. Later, that happened to you one time, didn't it? It did happen one time. Uh, I can't wait for Bob <laughs> to Photoshop my face on Jalen Carter and Gans as Jaden Daniels to show the outcome of the sucker bets of the week this year. Yeah, well, uh, that, uh, just just a, an absolute fantastic game. I mean, to, to you know, nitpick a little bit, they did uh, kind of torch the secondary a little bit in the second half, or a lot bit in the second half. We gave up 500 passing yards. It didn't really matter. Um, it didn't matter. And when you're up by 30 points or you're down by 30 points, you're going to throw the hell out of the ball. So they're going to get some yards. There were some blown coverages there. There were some freaky plays there. That, that, that last touchdown that they scored, we, we – Damn near killed um, uh, Nussmeyer. We had him running for his life, and he hucks one up there. So do those things – I mean, I'm not happy about those things. There's some things that need to get cleaned up. Ohio State has a prolific uh, passing attack, but you give Kirby and you give Schumann and you give Muschamp and Fran Brown, you give them four weeks to prepare. Look what they did with Tennessee. And Tennessee is just as good offensively, if not better, pre, pre the Herndon Hooker injury. Um, 
than Ohio State, and we absolutely just demolished them. So I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, those things will get cleaned up. Yeah, a couple things I noticed just in terms, obviously, Munkin's play calling I felt was genius in the first half. We'd obviously shut it down in the second half, except when we needed to you know, go on some sustained drives to get some points on the board. Um, but we did not hear Harold Perkins' name called Harley at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was coming in as the freshman hero. He was going to be the disruptor game changer. Uh, we didn't hear his name called at all. I do think defensively, um, second half, you know, what, from what I've read, we went to, uh, we, we went away from our traditional like defense and kind of hybrid coverage to just pure zone. Really, we went to prevent defense in the second half and Nussmeyer torched us. He's a good quarterback. He's got a big arm. You know, we got lucky he made a few mistakes, but, you know, we had such a cushion. We were just really in prevent defense. Exactly. My concern, yeah, my concern going into the Ohio State game, um, and I think this can be worked on, but Keely Ringo is getting picked on over and over and over again. Part of that is because Kamari Lasseter has become the shutdown corner. Keeley's getting picked on, and at times he just looks a little slow out there. Uh, Gans, I know you said earlier this year that you see him being a top 15 pick, but Quite frankly, I don't see that, dude. Well, he will because he's 6'2", 210, he's going to run a 4'3", in the combine, and he makes some electric plays. They did pick on him. I agree with you. They really picked on him. The past few weeks, they picked on him. They've gone his way. I think you're right, you know, a little bit about the last year part. But I rewatched the game on Sunday, partially because I don't remember all of the game from Saturday. And rewatching it on Sunday, he was – in position to make so many plays, the guy, I don't like to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game because it's just stupid, but he was in position to make a lot of really good plays where the ball just goes over the tip of his fingers. There's there's one where he got torched in the end zone. Coulda, woulda, shoulda been a pick. Um, Kirby feels confident in him. Yeah, that's all I really need from, from you know, on the D-back side. He, he's going to come up with big plays at big times, um, and I do see him as the athlete. So you know who else had a big game on Saturday? Chaz Chambliss. He did. He had a big in the first half. Didn't get – he was not a liability. Um, I mean, that team, they just came to play on Saturday. You, you know who had a bad game, and I hate to say this because the guy's been a solid performer all season, is Malachi Starks. Some of those coverages were re, 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 uh, Keely Ringo got torched in the second half. He was supposed to get help over the top, and Starks was late getting there. On that last touchdown, for instance, that, yep. that was all on Starks. Kurt, Kurt. Kirby addressed that after the game. He said he was just a hair off. Mm-hmm. He said it was really close. wasn't a terrible play. He'll learn from it. I think Kirby kind of likes those moments happening to the young guys, um, so he, he can sure. teach them. But yeah, it was it was it was it was a thirty minute prevent defense situation. Which when's the last time that happened in a game like this? So um, yeah, I, I'm not overly concerned about the defense. I think you're right. With the month to prepare for Ohio State, we'll be fine. Um, watching that second half, though, I was like, I just want this game to end. It just felt like it was going on forever. We had all of our starters in. I was just like, get us the hell out of here. Um, we had a McConkey injury early in the game, which we'll talk about that in a second. Didn't love that. AD came back, um, looked pretty good. I mean, with the pregame reports, he's, he's doing backflips in practice. So good to have him back. Uh, he had the touchdown pass with a two-point conversion pass. Um, but tough to see Ladd go down. Where, where are we standing well, with him? Before I get to Ladd, I'm just going to say AD Mitchell throws a football like Larry. Uh, it's not pretty. <laughs> Uh, the lat, but effective. Yeah, I'm not sure we can say hey, that about Larry. Score, it scores points, Gans. Like you, like you picking points. up women in a bar, huh, Larry? Uh, scores points, pretty, baby. Um, in the lat, you know, we've seen mixed mixed um, reports on him. I hope you, know, you give him four weeks. I, he- I hope he comes back because he's an unsung hero this year. Even with his couple games of the yips, you do get AD back. 
I love seeing the big O score a touchdown and the two-point conversion. We're going to miss him next year. He's just so dominant. Um, you know, you're getting Brock involved. All of our running backs look good. Kendall Milton, somebody put a foot up his ass because he's woken up and started to play really, really well. I think he's finally healthy. Like Maybe. He, he had eight carries, 115 yards rushing. Um, you know, he looked damn good. Now, he still doesn't have that, like, game-breaking speed. Like, if you remember the 2017 mm-hmm. game, DeAndre Swift had a similar run. That was the one he took to the house. Uh, they, they ended up catching Kendall Milton, but he still tore off a 51-yard run. Um, yeah, I hope uh, back to McConkey. You know, it's been, we've seen conflicting reports that there has been a partial tear of the MCL. We've also heard, you know, through the grapevine and everybody else that, oh, and, and family friends that he's fine. So, you know, they're obviously going to keep things tight-lipped in butt smear. Um, I'm also concerned about Warren McClendon. I haven't seen anything about him. I know he left the game. Um, but there wasn't a huge drop with bringing in Marius Mims, who is he's a awesome. monster. He's a monster, by the way. Yeah, so you obviously don't want to lose any depth, and McClendon's played really well. But Mims, when he's come in, is just absolutely mauled people. He'll be a starting right tackle next year. I assume we lose both Broderick Jones and Mims. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Broderick Jones and, and Warren McClendon to, to the draft. Um, but, yeah, you know, look, I think if Lad's leg is attached, Lad will be playing on December 31st. So I found myself super, super interested in the Friday night USC game versus Utah. Uh, super interested in watching the TCU-K-State game. Um, just so interested to see how it was all going to shake out. We knew Georgia would be in, but who were we going to play in the four spot? USC is god-awful. I mean, garbage. Um, can't tackle. Caleb went down. They had no offense. Utah blew them out. Caleb's a punk. Putting that shit on his fingernails. So later – uh, TCU, I mean, you know, we just said just don't lose too bad, right? Just keep it close enough. Um, the, 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 the four come out how they did. What are y'all's thoughts about yeah, it? I'll, I'll out? take this one first. They screwed up um, because TCU should be fourth and Ohio State should be third. Look, Georgia, Michigan, no one's going to argue that. Um, if Ohio State played TCU, they would be favored, right? Just, just it's, there's nothing else to say. Ohio State should have come out third and, uh, I've heard, you know, a lot of analysis on this. You know, you have Michigan, Ohio State at the 8 p.m. Fiesta Bowl game. That's the primetime game. They they were the most watched football game this year, college football game. You have Georgia gets rewarded with the soft TCU team, right? It's not how it played out. Candidly, I don't give a shit because I think we're going to steamroll Ohio State. But it, we do have a tougher path to SoFi Stadium than Michigan does, and that's not the right thing uh, for the playoff committee to do. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Um, I do think that TCU, like, in terms of saying, like, who would be favored, that's, that's the Nick Saban argument, Gaines. I really don't like it because if you go by that argument, Alabama, Why Alabama play the games? have lost a game in the past 12 years and have 12 national championships because they've been favored in every single Yeah, but who would be favored out of those four, right? Not taking a fifth one in. You know those four are going to get in, right? Then, then you kind of stack them up right there. Yeah, you know, I think the committee, they obviously didn't want a, a rematch in the semis, similar to what they did for us last year, I guess. Um, it, no, they said it, that doesn't come into play, which is total bullshit. Well, they're, they're, full, they're full of it. Yeah. Yeah, total bullshit. Cover their asses. Um, I do think, you know, listen, Michigan handled Ohio State. Michigan, I think, plays a very similar style of physical football than we do, at a much, but they don't quite, quite have the, the physicality and the horses that we do. So if Michigan can take care of Ohio State, I feel pretty good that we can too. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba um, is opting out. He is not going to play, so that's one of their big weapons. 
Um, <laughs> that's one of their weapons that won't be there. Um, I think they're going to score some points. I think we are going to win this game probably by about 13 to 14 points. Uh, but it is a tougher matchup than what Michigan has to face with TCU. And by the way, Max Duggan was really freaking awesome he, on he, Saturday night, man. He uh, he put the team on his back, and uh, he left it all out on the field. I told you all about Quentin Johnston, too. That guy's a player. I, I suspect Michigan beats TCU, uh, but, but Michigan's a JV version of us, right? Can TCU go out there and potentially light them up? I'd love to see it. I'd love to see purple and SoFi Stadium, purple and red. Lawrence, you mentioned Saban, and I have a lot of respect for him, but he is, as we said before, he is just dropping miles per hour off that fastball every time we see him. Bad, bad look Saturday night. Sitting out there looking old, looking tired, making these arguments for Alabama just because they're Alabama. thought it was a bad look all the way around. I thought his logic was flawed. Um, they beat nobody. They had two losses. Um, saying what Vegas would, would consider them over TC or Ohio State is just is just – a garbage type of an argument. And I'm glad the committee didn't give into it. I mean, I was very concerned that Alabama, just because they're Alabama, was going to get that spot. We discussed that Tennessee probably deserved it over them if you if head-to-head means as much as it does um, or, or as much as it should. So I think the committee got it right. I don't think Ohio State earned it as much as just kind of fell into it. I thought there was two teams this year that deserved it, Georgia and Michigan. They've got to find a fourth, a third and a fourth. Expanded to 12, like, we discussed this ad nauseum, but, like, did you see what that bracket would look like this year Terrible. with 12? Terrible. You've got Clemson with the bye. You've got Utah with the bye. Um, it's just, it, it, to me, it doesn't make much sense. It, it, it takes the excitement away that we had over the weekend about these games, yeah. but so more money, more the, games. The, the counter argument to that is go look at the 41 bowl games that are scheduled right now, and pretty much all those matchups suck. I mean, there's not one good matchup out there besides maybe Clemson, Tennessee. Nothing that really draws my interest, and they don't mean a damn thing. At least now with 12 teams, we're going to have some football games, even though the matchups may not be great, but at least they mean something. Uh, and it gives us another home game in Athens potentially in December. But why expand right away to 12? Why not just go to 8? I mean, I think we talked about this last time. Eight, eight, you know, Go to 8, and, and you're still struggling. Like 8, you could say, all right, every Power 5 conference gets gets their – conference champion in and then you've got three at large uh, you know yeah, 12. I mean, yeah, you're gonna have some three lost teams in there on the first go around and that kind of is ridiculous yeah i think you know back to look i agree with uh what you're saying in uh theory about nick saban in practicality i mean he makes 11 million dollars a year and his job is to try to get his team in i agree it, it looked weak but you know what if we were sitting in the five seed i'd hope kirby would get out there and start Lobbying and Saban has more pull than anyone in college football. I mean, he probably did bully a few people into you know uh, uh, the conversation in that room in Grapevine, Texas. I'm pretty sure Kirby had to go on and just say the same thing. Um, it was in 2018. We had two losses. I forget when it was. Yeah, it was when we lost when we to lost, Alabama. Yeah, we lost to Bama in the SEC championship game. You know, he had to go on and say like, "Oh well, you know, we were deserving because X, Y, and Z, and we made our conference championship." And da 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 da. You know, that's that's the job, but. Yeah, he, I just think he, he did look and feel a little bit old and meek, though. That's the problem, right? Well, I, and to just touch on that real quick, you know, TCU. So I, I think TCU was a – you know, they bring up a point, right? Is it the four most deserving teams or is it the four best teams? So TCU going into uh, Saturday was definitely one of the four most deserving teams. I don't think that the conference championship game should be a deterrent for you getting in. I think maybe it could get you to leapfrog someone to go in. 
but I don't think it should knock you out because Ohio State was sitting in Columbus, you know, doing jack shit, and, and they just got lucky that, you know, Caleb Williams got punked on Friday night. I think it has to be the most deserving it teams, does. right? It Why does. play the games if, it, if it's I not? I mean, if, if it's the best teams, then let's just, let's just see who has the most five stars and who has the, you know – the best recruiting classes and and best quarterback and just skip the whole season. So you've got to reward the play on the field. You've got to punish the Alabamas of the world for the losing Tennessee's twice. For losing the, um, if Tennessee beats South Carolina, and, and, they're, they're and, in over Ohio State. If Tennessee beats South Carolina, they're, they're, they're in. in. T- Tennessee's if Clemson four. beats South Carolina, yeah, they're and, in. South Carolina single-handedly knocked both That's of those teams out of the playoffs. Coach, Coach right. Beamer. Flag, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll save the full breakdown for maybe in the next week or two about the game. But I mean, the, the Ohio State game that jumps out to me was that Northwestern game. The weather was crappy, um, which was their excuse. But like, if I remember correctly, they put no real offense. They didn't. They they couldn't put any offense together. Their line got pushed around by Northwestern. So I think that we win this game both in the trenches with our size and then also with our speed. Um, which is, you know, kind of a recipe. So um, everybody's like, ah, oh, we got screwed. Ohio State's this. Ohio State's that. Who gives a shit? L- l- line, line them all up. Let's take out. Let's take out the entire Big Ten. I, I couldn't say it better. Um, again, not to not to really jump into it because we probably will preview it. Uh, I think Ohio State's um, strengths are their receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, they got that Julian Fleming kid. Uh, one other guy, C.J. Stroud's good. But besides that, that that kind of Starts and ends that their defense is trash. Uh, I think we we totally outclass them. I hope I hope that this is a home game. I hope that uh, you know we've got a, a decent home field advantage. I don't know how easy that's that is to do in the playoffs, but I, I got to think it's you know sixty forty minimum. So I'm thinking sixty forty. Um, yeah, bring, hey, listen, bring on Ohio State. We've been talking about them for years. We haven't played them, I think, since what Vince Dooley's last game. Um, so I like the symmetry that, that comes in after Vince Dooley's passing. We get Ohio State again. Um, we're going to humble him pretty quickly. Uh, C.J. Stroud's good, but you know you know who's better is Jalen Carter. They can't stop Jalen Carter. He's going to disrupt the middle. He's going to knock C.J. Stroud on his ass. He He's not as mobile as Bryce Young. Or he doesn't like to run as much as Bryce Young. Um, and so, you know, I think we're just going to shut him down. He's not going to have much time to, to do anything. So, um, you know, I do like the matchup for us. Quite frankly, there's not any team out there that I'd be really scared of the matchup. I just think that Ohio State's the only team out there that's not Bama that maybe has the caliber of talent, not top to bottom, but can kind of maybe the top top 22 to kind of match up a little bit with us. So uh, how's this for a segue to what you just said? Something else hasn't happened since around the time that Dooley stopped coaching Georgia. Us having a, can, a, a participant up in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I believe it was at 1992, the last time, the Garrison Hurst right. scans, um, that, that got an invite to, uh, to the, to the Heisman. Sh- I mean, God dang, Stetson Bennett, just keep checking boxes, young man. Young I mean, man. The story whoa, just whoa, whoa, continues. Back. Old man. Yeah. Old man. Sorry. Um, uh, keep checking boxes, old man. Uh, what's left to win it? Win it back to back national championships, go down in history as one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. And I will like to toot my own horn. And I was trying to find this clip from our kickoff show. I think I closed the kickoff show by saying, uh, one of my sleeper predictions of the year is that Stetson Bennett would be a Heisman trophy finalist, uh, come, come the second weekend of December. So, uh, kudos to me slap on the back. Larry wins. Yay, Larry. Let's go Stetson. 
To be fair, toot your own horn on your own time here, pal. Um, it, listen, it, it's a fantastic story. I think the next the next part is the uh, the movie, right? Stet the movie. Uh, just great story. He's not going to win. I would assume Caleb Williams wins. But nonetheless, we're going to get, you know, 10 minutes, seven minutes of, of a Georgia promo. And, you know, one of the knocks on Georgia, particularly like recruiting-wise, uh, you know, around quarterbacks and receivers is we don't put anybody – we don't really shine on anyone. We don't get anyone sort of that spotlight. You know, you see the Bryce Youngs go to uh, go to Alabama, and you see people like Jermaine Burton. We need to bring them up, like leave because they're gonna. They think they're gonna get better stats somewhere else, and, and this sort of um, ends that discussion at least. You know, if the team is good enough and and the the bright lights are shining on on you long enough, you're gonna have the opportunity to show out, and and he has, and and I'm proud of him, and. Uh, it's just going to be, you know, George infomercial for seven minutes on Saturday night. I'll actually have to watch it now. Gans, who's going to play Stetson in the movie? Um, Sean Traub. Uh, the only time we've ever said that about Sean. But, yeah, yeah he, they do look similar, actually. So, I, I agree. I don't think he's going to win. But if you really do the, the necessary deep dive into the numbers and into what he meant to his team and the team's success, like, he probably should. Right. I mean, if you, if you put his numbers up blindly against the other candidates, they stack up point for point. And if you dial it back, uh, his was done in about 75 percent of the time, maybe because less. maybe less, maybe less. I mean, the fourth quarter I saw somewhere and, and I might be off by a little bit, but he had like 15 total passes in the yeah. fourth quarter this year. And like nine were against Missouri on the comeback. And he was like seven for nine for 100 yards and a touchdown in that fourth quarter when it really mattered. So. You know, all these other guys, they put up these huge numbers. They're playing the full game. They're playing against cupcakes. You also, if you look closer at his stats versus the top 25 opponents, I think we had five, and you compare them to the others. The record, of course, was 5-0. and And he had better numbers. So, you know, he like I said, he's not going to win, but he's got a great argument for it. And if you really were looking at it closely, he probably I love, the, I love the fact, well, hey, the one statistic was that Lamar Jackson and Stetson Bennett are the same age, and they're, what, four years apart from appearances in New York? Six. Six years apart <laughs> from appearances in New York, uh, which is amazing. Um, I just and, and what's amazing about Stetson, though, is he is such a polarizing player, and not just amongst you know the Georgia faithful, which I think now everybody's on board and everyone kind of loves Stetson. But you know, leading up to this year, you know, there's people that, that hated him, um, that didn't want him to start, and now that he's a finalist in New York, now everyone from the outside's chirping that he doesn't deserve it. Hendon Hooker should be there. Bijan Robinson should be there. You know, this person should be there. Uh, I just hope Stet takes that, chip, continues to have that chip on his shoulder, and carries that into New Year's Eve. A couple of things. Uh, one, the first show of the season, uh, Larry's getting his own horn, but I'll, I'll toot all of our horns. We all were in agreement that, that we were happy with Stet behind center. We still did have friends that weren't. Two, uh, Stet, if we make it to the national championship game, Stet will be in his third national championship. Now, he didn't play in 2017, but he was on that team. He, he, he was Baker Mayfield and the scout team in the Rose Bowl. So just that that's pretty amazing to me. His story really is pretty crazy. Oh, and one other thing I wanted to bring up, we did discuss this on our chat earlier today. In 2020, just a short 26, 27 months ago, Stett was fourth, well, going into fall camp, Stett was fourth string behind Jamie Newman, behind JT Daniels, and behind Dwan Mathis. And in that COVID year, we went into, I think we played in Little Rock or Fayetteville, we played Arkansas the first game of the year. 
and Dewan Mathis started. Dewan Mathis is now either a tight end or a receiver for Temple University. I'm not sure either one, but he started over Stetson Bennett. Stetson had to come in, and, and he won the game for us. But, I mean, just that, that wasn't that long ago. I mean, Kirby Kirby said something to the effect yeah. of, like, we've tried we've tried to get rid of this guy a hundred different ways. Yeah. And he just, he just doesn't quit. He keeps coming back, and, you know, he just does what he does. He's a winner. Yeah. Jamie Newman is out of football, I suspect. JT Daniels is now looking for his That's fourth amazing. team. Uh, he, he just in, entered the transporter today. I hope no one's calling for him to come back to Georgia. And meanwhile, Stetson, if he wins two more games, guys, like – it's going to be Herschel Walker and him, one A and one B. I mean, that's just how it's going to, that's going to be how it is. He's going to go down as the second best, first A, first B player in George football history. His number might be retired. There'll be a statue, all that stuff. Like it's absolutely yeah. bananas. Yeah, I, I saw. I think it was like uh, on Aaron Murray's podcast, or it was, it was DJ Shockley talking somewhere. DJ Shockley said, "Look, all these years, you always said, you know, in, in terms of uh, who the best quarterbacks were, but even though Buck Blue isn't our best quarterback." You know, he, you know, the Buck Belue to Lindsey Scott winning the national championship game, even though I think he threw like one pass or maybe two passes in that game. But Buck Belue held this, you know, lore. He's on sports radio in Atlanta and all that good stuff. The guy could, you know, go sign autographs for $50 a pop. Stetson Bennett has surpassed him. You know, you've had a Matthew Stafford. You've had David Green. You've had Eric Zier. You've had Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray, I think, is the all-time uh, yards leader in the SEC. And, and and now you've got this dude that's 37 years old and, and five foot four that that's going to be a god in Athens or is a god in Athens. It's awesome. It's amazing. So, uh, sucker bat of the week. Yes. We did another one last sucker week. Sucker bat of the week last How'd week. Uh, I dug deep. I went with uh, Gus Miles on Central Florida. They got thumped by uh, by Tulane and the Green Wave. Uh, I think the sucker bet either finished eight and five or nine and four on the year. Still a winning record. You made money if you followed the sucker bet of the year. Um, I have not yet looked at uh, lines for the bowl games yet, but uh, we're going to have 41 of them coming up, and there's going to be some spicy games to pick from. Yeah, I bet there will be a lot of sucker but Those are tough games to handicap. You know, there's there's some uh, some gambling uh, philosophies that people follow in bowl games, especially for, like, the shitty ones. Um, I'll have to come back with some of those theories. It's usually like if a team is down by double digits after the first half to bet the team that's up in the second half because usually that team quits – um, and covers the second half spread or things like that. But there's a lot of di- different like theories and philosophies to follow if you're going to gamble during bowl season. We're going to give you some homework, Lawrence. I-, I wouldn't mind if you guys were interested in your end doing like a bowl preview show maybe yeah. next week. Um, so, Lawrence, we're going to be looking heavy to you to come up with your, your betting manifesto and which teams would be a good play. You know, it's always tough to, like you said, Jason, handicap them because a lot of guys right. won't show up to play. A lot of teams won't care. You know, you're telling me Alabama's going to care to go play in the Sugar Bowl versus Kansas State? No way, no how. So it, it, it's tough. I, I do kind of agree with what you said in the beginning about how no one watches them anymore, which is a shame because I do remember caring back in the day and, and checking the paper to see who was me playing who. I couldn't tell you one matchup other than the two I just mentioned, but, but, yeah, but I mean, the, the, the two less ones. Tra- the opt-outs and transfer portal and everything and, you know, folks leaving for the draft is – at some point, you're like, there's teams that have already had 10, 12, 13 kids already either say they're not going to play in the bowl game or they're in the portal. Like, I know we had a lot of teams opt out during the COVID year and they used COVID as an excuse, but there's going to be a team that opts out of their bowl game because they're not going to have enough players. 
Um, so it's good. The gambling part of that is hard because these games don't matter and the kids are bouncing around. We've got college football free agency. So uh, it'll, it'll be a challenge. It'll be dicey for folks. But I will come back with some picks for you. Don't you worry. You have a week. You have a week I, to prepare. I saw today. I haven't fact checked this, but I think I said it was a tweet or something that there are thousand, one thousand kids in the portal. I don't know how that's possible, but uh, it's something like sixty quarterbacks. It's 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 crazy. I do think kids will play. You will see like a Bryce Young, and I, I don't know if it's Bryce Young or not, but like someone of that caliber opt out. You know, um, but I still enjoy the games. It's something to watch. You know, that week between Christmas and New Year's when. When it's slow at work and it's Wednesday, you go up to the elbow room, play some Keno and, and, and watch some football, play, drink some cold Guinness. Play some Keno and bet on the Bahamas Bowl and the Cheez-It Bowl. Let's, let's party. I mean, you know, spend my Biden the Kenny, the Kenny Powers Bowl, right? We had limited games, but anybody stand out as a Jimbo for you last week? Uh, and it, 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 it hits kind of close to home. Uh, it would be Brian Kelly at his post-game news conference. It was a true. He literally made an excuse. And I guess that's his shtick. I, I don't know. I don't follow him all that well. He made an excuse for everything. Talk about the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. You know, they came down. If we didn't block that kick and they and, and we didn't run it back, well, that's a 10-point swing. If we did this, like the guy, he analyzed the game and basically had them winning. I was like, you sound like a total jackass. You just got boat raced, dude. Be a, you know, have a little humility. Take it with a grain of salt. Good for a season. Instead, you just came up like a total jackass uh, because of that, sir. You you are the Jimbo of the week. Unfortunately, we can't give Jimbo anything anymore because his team is not playing in the postseason. Um, but uh, Brian Kelly, you're the loser of the week. I heard him talk, too, and I think what he was trying to do, the way he was trying to frame it, is that we're really not that far off from being in the caliber in the League of Georgia. We're not that far off from being SEC champions. It was a one-score yeah. game, is I think what he was trying to say, is if, if if things fell this way and things fell that way, you're talking about a seven-point difference. And so we're well, one score away. Um, but I agree with you that his presentation was god-awful, and it was, you know, what is it? If, uh, had nuts should if, be if your uncle. If, 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 that, <laughs> there you go. And if is half of life. So, you know, it is, is what yeah, it is. I'm it, with you. He kind of rubbed me the wrong way with that and whatever. Um he, he could he could marinate on the Jimbo of the week yeah. until uh, our post bowl game wrap. I up. think some other candidates we've touched on it. Saban with his begging was a little bit of a Jimbo. I mean, I wouldn't say the begging, but the politicking and the way he came off was a little Jimbo. Caleb Williams with his fingernail paint, but I guess he that was yeah. he's been doing that all season. But you know, the F Utah piece. Um, there was just there was a lot of clown uh, clown moves this past weekend. But uh, one thing that was not a clown or a Jimbo was just. Georgia asserting their dominance once again and sitting atop the SEC, boys. So we've got 25 days between now and the Peach Bowl. I say we do um, we do one of these next week, previewing the bowl games, the bowl season, and then do another one the following week, previewing the I'm Peach in. Bowl. How's that I got a whole lot of time on my hands. I'm, uh, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's do this. All right, boys. Good stuff. Go dogs. Great weekend as always. Enjoy talking with you all. Thank you all for listening. Any other, any final parting words? Or Everybody rest up. We've got a big game on the 31st. Get your legs back underneath you. Prep the liver and uh, enjoy the holidays. And to quote Jason Gans, it's good to be the king. That's right. All right. Amen. Hey boys. And on that, Peace. we out. Keep chopping. Go dogs.